Support for this show is brought to you by Instill. Our friends at Instill really understand what it means to build and manage relationships in a holistic and human-first way. The platform's advanced UX design and real-time analytics, smooth donor management to make it easy for you to connect every supporter to the impact of your work. To learn more, head on over to www.instill.io backslash Mallory. I can just see that passion. And that to me is just incredible. Of course, I want to be supporting that. I want to be supportive of that. And I want to enable you to be the best you that I can. Welcome back to episode 23 of What The Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. Huge thanks to our sponsors and friends over at Stock Donator who are making this episode possible. Today, I'm having a candid conversation with my husband, Ryan. I decided to do this episode and have this conversation publicly for a few reasons. First of all, because I don't think we talk enough about how to create synergy between our personal and professional lives inside the nonprofit sector. When I was an executive director, especially when I was managing an organization through a crisis, my relationship was deprioritized. And I often felt so guilty about the way I was putting work and my organization first. I've developed better habits since then, and Ryan and I have developed better communication strategies, but supporting an entrepreneur isn't that much easier. For partners, friends, or family members of busy executive directors, I thought it might be nice to hear from someone who's in your shoes and hear what he does to manage expectations, prioritize himself, advocate for his needs, and make sure we're always showing up as a team. And what we've learned together over the last few years. We give you an inside look around how we met, our hilariously awkward first date, when he proposed and why, and some of the biggest challenges and learnings over the last few years. We also talk about Ryan's giving, when and why he donates, and I think you're going to be super interested to hear what happens at the end when I ask him to highlight an organization. It's a real teachable moment. Okay, I could go on and on about this special person, but let's just go meet Ryan. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to have you joining me today. I am here with Ryan Erickson. And whether or not you follow me on any other platform, you might not realize that it is not actually an accident that we have the same last name. But this is actually my husband. And I'm really thrilled to have him here for this podcast episode because the thing I've just learned over and over again is how important it is to folks to get peeks inside my life and business. I work with so many of you in different ways through Power Partners and through my one-on-one services. So this is just an opportunity for you to get to know my person. And also because I'm going to ask you, Ryan, some questions about what things were like when I was an executive director and managing director and what it was like to support me during that as well, because I think there are a lot of people listening whose partners probably go through a lot of the the same things that you went through or in their partnership, they go through things like that together. So hopefully we're just creating a space for conversation around what it's like to be in partnership and doing work like this. So thanks for talking with me today about this. Anytime. You're like, I had no choice, but okay. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> I'm happy to be here and excited to chat and see where the conversation takes us. So why don't you first just tell folks a little bit about you and what you do and who you are, just so they get a little sense for the wonderful human that I married. Oh, I am by training a chemical engineer and I have lived in several parts of the world, Mexico and Switzerland along the way and was a teacher as a part of that. And so teaching and and learning and all of that has been a really big foundation of who I am. And so that cascades into today, my current roles. I'm in a large biotech company and we have to face a lot of challenges. We're constantly having to adapt new processes, new products, the best approaches for the right audience and how to navigate change, as well as manage the projects and critical stakeholders, so on and so forth. All of this is a learning journey that I've enjoyed. And obviously, you have helped me learn a lot of the things. And oftentimes at night, we will bounce ideas off of each other and our interpretations about things. And that's always fun. And the different perspectives are often very helpful for figuring out new ways to to look at a challenge and and move forward. Did you ever think, maybe before even my current role running this business, but did you ever think that you would end up with or marry a nonprofit leader? I can't say that was like the checkbox on my list. Yes, (laughs) nonprofit leader. Um, But I'm not surprised that I have because I think a lot of the values people who work in the nonprofit sector carry are values that I align with as well. And it just doesn't surprise me, say it like that. (laughs) Although when being stalked on LinkedIn early on and the appearance of nonprofit professional appeared, I somehow knew who it was. Oh my God. Okay. So we have to give a tiny little intro into like how we met and then what Ryan is referencing right now, which is my very poor online stalking skills or actually my good online stalking skills and bad cover-up skills. So when Ryan and I met, I was in this really interesting phase of my life where I was trying to figure out who the right type of partner was for me. I had had a past relationship end in a fiery ball of mess and was taking a step back to say, what does it look like for me to have and build healthy partnership? Who's the right type of person for me to end up with? So I went online And I had heard that the algorithm on OkCupid was really good. So I went on OkCupid only. And I decided that I was going to go on a number of first dates. And in doing so, I was going to create this matrix of the type of person that I was supposed to end up with. So throughout this process, I ended up going on 23 first dates. Ryan was date number 23. I almost tried to bail on him multiple times. But he was very persistent because I was done with my learning journey. I was like, I've got my map of who I'm looking for. And I didn't really enter that process thinking that I was going to meet my husband. But I really just wanted to learn about personality types and compatibility and all this stuff. And we had a wonderful first date, but it ended very awkwardly because... Okay, it did. I headbutted you. Just because there was a headbutt doesn't mean that it... (laughs) Was an awkward end. Ah! 
<laughs> okay. So Ryan, and you've gotten so much better about this since we've been together. But when we first met, you did not emote a lot, really. Like you were very stoic, very straight paced. So I, he gets off the train to meet me for the yeah, date. Yeah. So let's get and... this straight. You tried to cancel and I came to you because I wouldn't <laughs> let you cancel on me. <laughs> Okay. That is fair. That is fair. So then you come off the train in Oakland and you see me and your face doesn't change. You don't smile or you're, and I'm like, oh my God, he's so disappointed. And I actually thought when I was going to bring you on the podcast, I was like, I need to get a body language expert because we are so different in our like facial expressions and body language. So anyways, this whole date's going on. I'm trying to make him laugh and he's so stoic most of the date. And so I think he is not into me at all. So we're saying goodbye at the BART station and he literally comes in to kiss me. And I'm so shocked that I headbutt him like hard and then step back and I'm like, wait, you like me? (laughs) And he's like, we just spent three hours together. And it was also like a really important lesson for me in just all the different interpretations we hold about experiences and how two people can have just such wildly different experiences, like in the same moment or interpretations of that. Because what was the date like for you? I enjoyed it. I thought the the conversation was great. Obviously, we kept staying together and moving from one thing to the next thing and wanting to keep learning about each other and everything. So to me, it seemed, hey, things are going well. We've been hanging out and it hasn't been like a, oh, peace out 10 minutes later. I'm going to go. I live over here. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, is another one of the things that Mallory did. She enjoyed walking the lake with most of her dates. And so if she wasn't enjoying the date, she could just be like, oh, I'm done. I'm going to take off over here. So luckily that didn't happen to me. We were walking around still and there's a headbutt, but my nose is fine. I think. We survived it. And then I think by the second date, both of us were like, this is something real. And so then I had to stalk him online because I needed to know that he was like actually a good person, that all these things he said he had done and was doing were true because you were the first person ever that I did not have a second degree connection to. So there was like no way really for me to learn, okay, you're not a serial killer. Like I'm going to be okay. And so I- The other 22nd dates- the other 22 dates? No, but I didn't go on second dates with them. I was like, wait, (laughs) first or second degree connections to the 22 other dates? No, no, they were all from OkCupid. And another episode, I'll talk about my insane way of evaluating who these 23 dates were, but that's not for this episode. But when we were going on our second date, or I think maybe it was even after our second date that I did the stalking. Anyways, so Ryan gets a little alert from LinkedIn that someone in the nonprofit sector has searched and looked up his profile and I was caught red-handed and the rest and is history. And I would have been like, okay, I, I know. know. He's looking at my profile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think to try that. I was just like, oh, I just remember getting the text message with the screenshot and being like, uh oh and all of my friends being like you are so bad at this Mallory like there is a way to privately do this and I'm like oh my god I don't know no one ever taught me the rules 
Anyways, when we started really dating seriously, we moved in pretty quickly together. It was also during this like really intense moment in my nonprofit leadership where I had become an executive director, not by choice actually, but by necessity because of something that happened inside the organization. I was managing a ton of crisis, big teams in multiple international locations. I was working a lot. You had said when we first got together how important work-life balance was for you and how important it was that, that I wasn't going to be someone who really overworked, which was, had not been my historical pattern, but I was really trying to like work through my tendencies around overdrive and, and overwork. So what was it like for you to be my partner during such a hard time? It was hard. I'm not going to say it wasn't hard, obviously, because it was partly early in our relationship. It was probably like a year to a year and a half into our relationship. It was very clear to me the kind of person that you are and who you are and what you like to do, how you manage things. And like, I could just see also this moment was not who you were per se. Like you wanted to help the people in the situations. You wanted to make the organization survive. You were putting your heart on the table, which to me is obviously one of the reasons I love you is just your heart is so big and you care so deeply and passionately about the people with whom you interact. And at that time, lots of kids, high school kids, like I just know your passion. And so it, it was on your sleeve. And so obviously that to me, it was like, yes, of course, right now, I, I recognize that this situation is incredibly difficult. And I also know that you don't want to let that break apart or fall apart because of those values that you hold true. And so to me, there's a balance. And so it demonstrated to me that balance that's really exists in all of us. It was so clear that it was so tough. It was just wearing on you and there wasn't a right decision. And I, of course, wanted to be there to support you. And there are some things that I could do and some things that I couldn't. And so to me, yeah, it was tough, but it was, it taught me a lot about who you were and are as well. And you got through it. Your passion got you and the organization through things. person who you are got you through things. And I know it's at least some of the things that I've heard you describe about the nonprofit sectors like that is a tough behavior. A lot of people in the nonprofit sector carry that passion. And that's so powerful to me. That means that there's so much that can be done if it's channeled in the right ways and driven forward. And so to me, taking that, this translating now to, to what you're doing today and like how you realize these things and how focusing energies, efforts and passions in different ways can really drive different kinds of change. And to me, that's powerful. I've just learned so much about you. And I think that instance, for example, just really showed me that passion and who you are. And just another check on the box, nonprofit leader. <laughs> actually, we had been together at that point for a little over a year because it was actually in the middle of that crisis that you proposed, which I'm now remembering. 
we went away for a weekend in the middle of it. I took three days off. I had worked nonstop for probably like 60 days with very little sleep. And so it was really an interesting time for you to put your stake in the ground around our relationship, probably at a moment where I was feeling the most like guilty, like about like, I'm not being a good partner. I'm really neglecting my relationship. I'm really neglecting Ryan and I don't even know what's going on in his world in so many ways. Like I was zoomed in on this problem. And so it was a really interesting moment for you to choose to propose. And I think one for me that was really meaningful in the sense that like everything around us can be chaos. And how do we in those moments stand together because sometimes it's going to be chaos for you. Sometimes it's going to be chaos for me. Sometimes it's going to be chaos for both of us. Life is just hard in so many different ways. And how do we know and choose and pick people that, that we can really handle the hard stuff with? Exactly. And just show up in, in ways that are meaningful to you as an, as an individual, but then also as a, in the relationship that balances is there and maintained as. Yeah. Something that I really appreciate about you is I feel like you're always thinking about like values. You say that a lot to me, even sometimes when I'm driving you crazy about something or something I'm doing is really pissing you off. And you're like, I know this is coming from this value that you hold that I love about you, but the way that it's like impacting me or that it's impacting our family or that it's impacting this situation is really hard right now. And I really love the consciousness you bring to the values that you hold and the values that we hold as a family. But like, how do you hold those two truths to exist at the same time when you're like, gosh, I love this about this person. And oh my God, I'm annoyed. <laughs> well, you married a scientist, Mallory. I'd be doing that still, but I'm a rational person in general. And most of the time I maintain a balance and I try to maintain an objective perspective on things. When I look at one thing, I see it for what it is what the story is telling me. And then I try to dig into the layers and understand what's going on behind the layers, what else there is, what patterns exist, etc. It's part of my nature. And similar to you throughout the course of my life, it wasn't 22 dates in a month, but I figured out things that I, I find really important in the relationships that I have. Yeah. All right. So... Let's fast forward like all the years to me really launching this business somewhat in the middle of COVID when we had an eight month old and, but there was this sort of growing momentum around the work that I was doing, particularly around fundraising fears and the emotions that are triggered by fundraising. And so there was this sort of moment of, tension in our lives of we had no childcare. We had an eight month old who had just become mobile. You work a full big job. And this opportunity presented itself where I was like, I really think I can build this thing. And I really think now is the time. Tell me about that experience from your perspective. When you said, like what you just said, I really think I can do this to me. It's, let's make it happen. That's how I want to show up for you. 
when as the person that I am in our relationship and everything, like it feels like the time, it feels like the opportunity. Okay, let's make it happen. And so obviously making it happen was us figuring out what that meant, splitting the hours. So that, was, that was a rough time. Working 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. and switching in the afternoons so that you could be on your calls and then figuring out and working late nights early on and doing what I could to balance and split and take on what I could so that in the house, you didn't have to worry about anything and you could focus on what you needed to for work. Because I know that when you're in something, you're in it, you're focused. And so if I can help remove some of what's going on in the periphery to enable, that's what I want to do, obviously. And yeah, it's hard. And again, it, it comes back to that discussion about the passion that we we had earlier that to me, if you feel the passion for something, you put your heart behind it. There is a reason for it. You just don't do things randomly and for fun. And well, you do do things for fun. Don't get me wrong. I am no um, fun, you guys. No fun. Zero fun. Zero fun. <laughs> but just for the heck of it. You do it because there's drive. There's something bigger that can come out of it. If you can affect this next tier of people and then the next one, it will amplify, it will ripple and that will cascade. And that cascade is the change that you want to see. The thing behind it and the way you've described what your work does, how you, it makes you feel when people get it, who have succeeded applying your methods and everything. Like that, just watching you, like I'm not even the one experiencing it. You're the one who's expressing it to me and experiencing it, but I can just see that passion. And and that to me is just incredible. Of course, I want to be supporting that. I want to be supportive of that. And I want to enable you to be the best you that I can. And so when we had that first discussion about figuring it out, it was important for us to lay that obviously have that conversation to begin with. And then, I don't know, it's just how I want to to be there for you. I know how lucky I am to have that level of support and without getting too mushy-gushy or falling apart on this podcast. I'm curious, as we're talking about this right now, you're like, these are the things that I want, right? Like I want to support you and I want to show up for you. But I can imagine, even though you might not place this pressure on me, or vocalize it always, that sometimes it's really hard to feel like, and you know, I try really hard, obviously, to have sacred time for you and Emmy that is phone free and work free. But what are some of the things that have made it work? And then what are some of the things that make it really hard? Great question. Sometimes it it can also be tiring. I'll say that. Like, it's hard to always almost be in supportive mode. I'm not saying that in a negative way. I just think it is. You know, I think we both have, all of us have balance again, and I'm coming back to it. And, and so I think this is partly on me. I am somebody who likes to be supportive of others. And so obviously in this time, I've wanted to be supportive as much as I can. And then it's like I get too far into it and forget that. I'm getting super drained by doing this too. And I need some of my time or my things or whatever it is. And so I would say to partners out there in a similar situation that don't forget about yourself if you are being supportive. But then the other thing, check your ego. It's not about 
me. It's not, it's about the partnership. And sometimes it's about the other person and like really enabling that person because there are ups and downs and there are moments to really seize the opportunity and drive things forward, seize that energy. And so it makes sense to really do that. And things are about balance overall. And so when it shifts to one side, it has to level out at some point. And you have to also maintain to like, try to maintain the conversations and just the understanding about what is going on at any moment in time. And we've had the challenges here with that not happening. I'm not naturally an expressive person or I bottle things up sometimes and I don't express it along the way. And I've acknowledged that and need to put in the effort to try and improve that because it doesn't make anybody's life better when we bottle things up. No, I know what you're saying. And I think there's like a few things we've put into practice, things that I feel like we've struggled with and then iterated on and figured out, right? Some things we've put into practice have been around sacred phone-free time with Emmy and together and being really intentional and understanding each other's love languages and communicating about those things. And I feel like some of the other like hard lessons we've learned along the way have just been even scheduling time on the calendar to have hard conversations about what's happening. I think for me, we have a very like equal relationship in a lot of ways. There have been moments or things that have tipped scales in different ways, like having pregnancy, having any nursing mama attachment, like those were really hard times for me in that respect. And now you probably feel like you do 75%, I would say, of all domestic work. And you're home right now with me, which is also not the normal thing. Before COVID, I was drop off and pick up and doctor's appointments and all these things. And so I think like giving each other grace recognizing that situations are always changing, that there are seasons, you were saying this before, that like things ebbs and ebb and flow and there's momentum and there's seasons for things and nothing's permanent. And I think being transparent, like at each kind of phase of up-leveling this business, it is not a decision I have made without you. It's been like, are you okay with this? Here's what this would mean. Here's what this would look like for our family financially. Here's what it would look like in terms of time. And so I feel like some of those things, and we didn't get all those right the first time around, but those I feel are some of my big like lessons of the last two years. Yeah, and I agree with everything you just said. And I think the most important thing is to recognize that nothing is ever set in stone and that it is important to revisit and talk about what's going on in terms of like everything really just understanding the environments that are we're operating in your professional your personal family all of these are different environments that place different stressors different joys different activities across the board and to me the more we can understand those and not even understand, just see them to begin surface, get them to the surface. Then you can start to understand them. Then as you can iterate on how you navigate them. And that iteration I think is really critical 
And I think a lot of times I see people just want to maintain the process as is process, but in a relationship, how things are, despite everything around them changing, maybe pause for a second and just think, is it still the best to be operating in this way within your family and work, wherever it is, because all the external cues have changed. And so it no longer necessarily makes sense to continue that path forward. Pause, take a second, rethink about everything and see what might be the next way of trying things out, the next path. Yeah, we listened to that podcast about renegotiating marriage contracts like at different points. And I feel like that has been so helpful for us and something I would even say to folks who are listening. And not that it has to be like a huge thing all the time. Executive directors, fundraisers, there's a annual calendar that means that certain times of the year is much more stressful for you. And there's a lot going on at end of year with fundraising. And perhaps there's another time of the year where you have a big event. And to be having transparent conversations with your partner around which components of your contract need to shift during that time. And maybe it's not with your romantic partner or your life partner. Maybe it's with a roommate. Maybe it's with your best friends. I've had to set a lot of boundaries with my closest friends over the last 18 months too, to say, I know you've gotten really used to this other expectation of how I show up. And that is just not within my capacity right now as a new mom and as a business owner, but nobody can interpret those things for you or set those boundaries for you or know. So October was like a crazy month for me. I had a speaking engagement like every two days it felt like or something. And remember you and I, I like sat you down and I was like, I need to tap out of everything else (laughs) for the month of October. And we watched a lot of Elmo and we like you managed a lot of house stuff and we made it work. But I feel like if I hadn't looked ahead and been like my capacity, I only have so much capacity and more than usual is going to be taken up energetically, emotionally with these other things. I feel like that has been helpful. And you've been able to do that too, to say these next three weeks, I'm running trainings week after week. You're going to have to do more pickup and drop off. I'm going to be around less in the morning. And just like having that lens to the future, I think has also helped me prepare. Okay, Mallory, don't schedule calls before nine. Don't schedule anything after four. And so I just feel like that has been so helpful. Definitely. So let's talk about the podcast a little bit because I just found out from you recently that you listen to the podcast. (laughs) I know you say that, of course, you listen to the podcast, but I actually don't think that's just like an assumption. You're not in the nonprofit sector. And of course, my guests and the topics apply to like life in so many different ways. But it was so cool recently to learn that you do listen to all the episodes and that you love them and that you're learning from them and all of that. So Tell me a little bit about what do you think of this thing? It is awesome. I think from my world, the biotech for-profit world, I still learn a bunch of things. I think the principles often that you are discussing don't just reside in the non Obviously, that's intentional. You're pulling from different sectors to try and influence the nonprofit world. But I think beyond that, like some of the things that you talk about that are a flare of like influencing a different way. Like I mentioned earlier, like I think about people dynamics and a lot of this stuff is actually just 
humans <laughs> and interacting with humans. And again, when you get into a certain mindset and orientation patterns, et cetera, like how do you break out of those patterns? What can you do to think about what are some ways to look at challenges differently? All of those are, are really interesting. And also just obviously think that the stories that your guests tell are really interesting and the content that you guys dive into and some of the challenges that I didn't even know exist or I was naive about. Lots of different content that just, I don't know, it, it hits me in, in different ways. Every episode is a little different. I like, I appreciate them in different ways. Obviously, the one with Lisa Feldman Barrett, is that Dr. Correct? Lisa Feldman Barrett, yeah. Yeah, like scientists. Awesome. Let let me hear what's going on. I love it. (laughs) But also then the implications of those studies and data and applying it and behaviors and everything. I'm currently in episodes 18 and like some of the, the challenges with like political fundraising, how money influences how things change, but what can we do to, to move it there's so many cool concepts that I didn't really think about that you bring to light and I find really interesting. What do you think about how much I talk about money? <laughs> I'm getting used to it. It's definitely, I, I don't really have a, a feeling about it now. I, maybe because I've grown with you into it, if you will, but I don't know. I guess there's still the, there are times when I just get into like my, the loss aversion that we, we have, you know, like these innate human behaviors that like we fear not having something and therefore we hold on to all these things and a lot of the, the that scarcity mindset, if you will. And that really can be limiting. And I think a lot of your episodes touch on that in different ways. And it's really powerful to see it. And when you see it, I don't know how many people follow your Instagram posts or everything else, but like when you share your success stories from your clients who have done power partners and they're like halfway through it and they're like, I just multiplied my fundraising by 20 times and I don't even know what I did. No, obviously they know what they did, but. It is really powerful to realize that like we carry limiting beliefs that we don't even know we carry. And so by bringing them to light, even just talking about them, showing them in the different medias that you have and you have shown people, like that is the first step and people are like, oh, hey, wait, maybe that is something I should be thinking about. And the next time I talk to someone or the next time I do X, Y, Z, it will be different or I can act slightly differently. And that is powerful. Have you noticed with me a change in how I spend money or approach money in our personal lives over the last five years? Ten long have we been together? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I am so bad. Every year, who's listening to this right now that is going to be responsible for me remembering our anniversary? It is August 19th, 2017. Did I get it right? Yes. Did I get it right? Okay, you guys, I'm so bad. So all of you are on assignment five weeks before. Please ping me (laughs) (laughs) to remind me that my anniversary is coming up and to get my stuff together. Okay, 
Anyways, keep going. Tell me a little bit about how you have seen my own sort of approach to money and money stories like evolve as I've been doing this work. Yeah, the easiest way of saying is early in our relationship, it was much more penny pinching. And even at that time, your family had told me you were a lot better than you used to be. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it's much more like you're like, no, abundance brings creative vibes, energy, it creates. And it's much more from like a, what I mentioned earlier about that scarcity mindset to, hey, by not limiting ourselves, we can grow, we can challenge, we can drive so much more. And so in your behaviors over the evolution of our relationship, I've seen it from, like I said, penny pinching, talking much more about little details of things to, okay, these are the big concepts. This is what I want. And this is how I think our money can influence something. It's much more about what we can do with it and the power that it can have to influence our family, our friends, our society. And I think that's really powerful in growth in general, taking it to that space. Yeah. I'm curious, do you ever, I've obviously, I talk a lot about feeling that evolution within myself and and not just an evolution, serious work, my executive coaching program and all of the work I've done around my own beliefs and thoughts and what they're related to and how they feel in my body. And then honestly, a lot of people say, just have an abundant mindset. And I was always like, what does that mean? Like when you're feeling scarcity, like that's a really hard thing to access. And so for me, it's actually been an action first thing a lot of the times. So I still feel scared. I still feel that desire to hold tight. I still feel those things, but I believe so deeply that moving money in alignment with our values creates the world that we want to see. And so when COVID hit, And it was, oh my God, I run my own business. What's going to happen with your job? You were in the middle role that didn't live in any department necessarily. It was this middle support role. We didn't know for a moment, are those roles going to disappear? What's going to happen? Am I going to have no business? All these things. And I remember us just sitting down and we needed some work done on our house, which has been the fixer of all fixers. And we had this moment where you were like, should we just do this stuff ourselves? And I was like, no, we have to support other people in our community right now. We need to keep our money moving. There is no good that's going to come from us hoarding what we have. And it was a scary decision to make at that time. And it still is sometimes when we have those moments of uncertainty. And so I think for folks who are listening to this, where maybe it's triggering some of their own money beliefs and thoughts and fears, like my recommendation is to just start doing something that scares you around how you invest your money, how you spend your money, how you give philanthropically yourself and start to practice it. If the mindset stuff can't come first because you don't have a coach who can really work you through that, then the next best thing is to start to practice it and let the practice retrain your body. But I'm curious because I think the word you were, maybe, maybe not, but before I thought you were going to say the word, sometimes it's still cringy. When I was saying how you feel about the way I talk about money in different settings, or do you ever worry about me at dinner parties or in events talking about what I do and making people uncomfortable because of the way I talk about 
money and and the stigma sometimes that's attached to it? No, I don't think so because I believe what you say now too. I've shifted along with you much more, maybe not as far along as you, but I get it and I do agree with you. And I think back that story you told about the the construction and and doing it ourselves and which thankfully no <laughs> for so <laughs> many reasons. That was definitely <laughs> a good decision for many reasons other than just giving it back. But like realizing that the motion of money really is powerful. And I think that in doing so, you also cause those ripples that I have also discussed earlier. You impact other people and just the little seeds. You don't even realize it when you're talking about it, but those little seeds get planted and then that helps influence other people in the way that they think about things. And you do eventually like transform societies that way. Obviously, that's a big jump from a seat to a society, but you've transformed our family by talking about things the way that you have. And I know you're transforming different nonprofits and that's transforming a sector. And so it, it is starting small. Like you said, for those of us who need to start small, start with anything. The only way that change happens is by starting with something. You have to make a little change, a little effort, and then you can build upon that. And then that eventually builds and incremental changes over time add up. And I think that's what's really powerful about it. And without realizing it, there could be drastic change. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you one more question because I just remembered that when we first started dating, or at least when we moved in together, I remember being so surprised with how much money you were donating (laughs) in a good way. Like you were donating an outsized amount of money compared to your income for most people our age at that time. We don't need to talk numbers, but I remember the people calling, we won't name names, but I remember one of the calls you got And I could hear you on the phone, like just agreeing to what the gift officer was saying. And literally you were the perfect cold call. Like (laughs) you were every fundraiser's freaking dream. Let me tell you. But I remember just being so surprised. And this was also during a time where I was operating in a lot bigger space of scarcity. And so even though I was fundraising, I was not giving anywhere near what you were giving away to different causes. And I'm just curious about that, like where that doesn't come from, what inspires you to give and be involved in different causes? And what do you think has made you that way? I don't think there's any one single thing that has made me that way. I think a lot of the experiences I've had growing up living in other countries, definitely living and traveling the way that I have. I've been a fortunate to do both of those, live and travel to other countries. But by living in other countries, I've definitely experienced things in a different way than you even experience when you travel. And you experience the culture, you experience the things that are really powerful behind them. And I just realized like, hey, there's so much more out there. And sharing these cultural values definitely opened my eyes to to things a different way. But beyond that, just also recognizing what 
I have and how fortunate I am to be who I am, where I am, what I am. And I don't know if there's a a good way of, of explaining it, but to me, it's just always been when I'm aligned, especially I remember that call that you, you mentioned, like values, like I think it was for my university, but to me, yeah, it did change what I became and they influenced me. And so to me, it was like, yeah, I'll donate. I just pause for a second and think about what feeling it's given me and how it's impacted my life. And then if it is something that has impacted me or I feel is valuable, then obviously I want to donate. There's just so many ways to experience and make change in this world. And it's one of them, donating to to organizations. It seems simple, if you will. But like time, I feel like people underestimate, even if it's just like doing a phone bank or doing, it really does make a big difference. And and Oh yeah, I I made you phone bank this year. (laughs) I forgot about that. That was a big push. Yeah. Definitely not my introverted nature. I forgot about that. Okay. I think you said a few things that are really important. I think one thing you said is when you're aligned and the person on the other end reminds you of that alignment, that's really meaningful. And that moves you to want to invest. And I think the other thing that you said is that you take a moment to connect whatever the cause is to your life experience, whether it's an experience you had or an experience you see the possibility of avoiding or enhancing and you believe in it and there's value alignment there, then that's something you want to invest into. And I think, and I know, I guess I know this because of our relationship that, and that this is such a fundamental belief of my business. And it's a fundamental belief of our family, which is that we create the world we want to see together. And that like mutual benefit that there is no zero sum gain. Like I think like you and I both really believe that to be true, that the world does not have to be an I win or you win situation, that there is more than enough for everyone, that there is a future that involves equity and justice and collaboration and joy and mutual benefit and all of those things. And that those of us who want to see that world have to create it together. Some of us have the capability to do that with our time. Others have the capability to do that with our money. There's so many different ways to be a part of that, but it's not just going to happen on its own. And I think you have always really understood that in certain ways before I did, even as someone living my life inside the nonprofit sector, you've just always really seen that. So we're going to do the end of this episode a little bit different because usually... I give folks an opportunity to highlight a nonprofit they care about. I am going to give you that opportunity. I'm not going to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find you. But let's highlight a nonprofit that you love and care about and just end on that note. I was ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> Babe. There's so many. I don't know. <laughs> okay, don't know off the top of my head. Okay. I'm actually going to use this as a little teachable moment. So Ryan cannot think one organization that he wants to highlight off the top of his head right now. And so here's what's super interesting about this moment that we're just going to go with it. You can, don't worry, stop Googling. You're fine. Okay. Here's this really interesting moment. Okay. You are an incredibly generous person. You give a lot away every year. 
and you have no single organization that is in your conscious mind right now. So you are proving a very important point, okay? Which is that in order for people to give you to your organization, you need to inspire them and prompt them to give in that same moment, because that is what gets you to act, Ryan. Like when you have alignment in that moment, you're inspired and connected in whatever way it is, and you're asked, you are prompted to give, you give. And so often fundraisers and nonprofit leaders say things like, they know we need money. And like I emailed them a month ago, or they would give if they wanted to. And what you're proving right now is no, you care a lot about a lot of issues in our community. You're giving a lot to a lot of issues in your community, but it's not top of mind. You're a busy guy with a job and a two-year-old and your dad's in the other room visiting. (laughs) I'm making you do this anyways. And so nonprofits, like this is super, super important for you to remember because I'm sitting across from somebody who could be your major donor if you inspired and aligned and prompted him correctly, because he's not thinking about another organization right now. So let's leave with that and just let it be that the teachable moment that it is organic and authentic and all the ways. And thank you, babe, for doing this with me and for having this conversation and being open and honest. I feel like we touched on a lot of different things and we could have talked about a lot more, but I really appreciate you being candid and sharing with folks a little about you and a little about us and what we're really building together. Like this business is ours and having you believe in the dream and the impact is invaluable to me. Thank you for having me and for letting me be a a little piece of your journey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. See you at dinner. Honestly, I think I'm as nervous to release this episode as I was to release What the Fundraising back in July. As I think you can tell, this was a totally unscripted conversation that hopefully gave you a special peek into my life, but also helped you think about how you navigate your own relationships as an entrepreneur, leader, partner, and friend. I don't talk about work-life balance because I don't really know what that is. I am all about work-life synergy because what I want is to be able to show up as my full self in every aspect of my life. As I've built and grown this business, that has sometimes meant that certain relationships or activities stop being synergistic. Things change and people do too. I struggled so much as an executive director trying to get the people I loved to understand why I was working so hard for so little and unable to show up for this social thing or that time and time again. I've learned over the years that I don't want to make decisions like that from a place of sacrifice or martyrdom, but from a place of choice. And when I do, the people who love and support me will continue to be in alignment with my priorities and understand my choices. And certain people won't, and that's okay too. Navigating all of this with Ryan over the years has been hard and beautiful. We are imperfect in all of the ways all partners are, but we put communication first, and that is what even gives me the courage to put this raw episode streaming into your ears right now. Thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would give it a rating and review and share it with a friend. 
I am so grateful for all of my listeners and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. If you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under what the fundraising underscore. We are going to be highlighting so many of our favorite episodes from season one throughout the holiday season. We are wishing you a very happy new year and cannot wait to see you again in January. January.